my house went up by 3.6%. The house that's next door that is literally identical, uh, like identical, maybe with the exception of paint color and the door color on the front door, went up 1.5%. And I tracked it for a couple months, and our house continued to outperform the other houses. And the only thing that changed, none of the houses sold, nothing else changed. The only thing that changed is I put photos in there. And that goes back to 2018. I was at a Zillow conference. I was invited to a Zillow broker forum, and they were talking about AI and how they were using AI to look at photos. That's Jim Duncan with Nest Realty. Sweat the details. We talked about Zillow, Zestimates, pricing, strategies, algorithms, artificial intelligence, touched on ChatGPT. We talked about how, the, how to use the data and how to allocate it and how to use it in your business and your practice. How are y'all doing? Great. It's a beautiful <laughs> spring day. Uh, the weather's amazing. The leaves are popping on the trees. And the pollen is on the car. The pollen is on the car. I have had to wash my car twice now because the eyesight won't work on my Subi because the pollen is clogging, no. the, uh, cl- clogging the sensors, which is really fun because I hate washing my car. But... You know, Do I, you wash your car, or does a pl- some somebody like a machine wash? Your I car? go into like the seven dollar car wash, okay. and just get the pollen kicked off. Because as we lead into the conversation about machines today, it is amazing to see the new car washes that are coming into the you know, Charlottesville wash. smart small town USA that have been everywhere. Yeah, um, and now are coming here, and uh, you know, it's just seeing the lines of people that are. That are there uh, to uh, have these machines wash their cars. Machines excite people. What are you going to do? Machines excite people. <laughs> and so we're here today to talk a little bit about machines and, you know, the, the hot um, the hot term recently across all the, you know, I, I probably in every part of our lives has been AI. Um, and, you know, AI has been in, in real estate really to a certain extent for, gosh, 10, 15, probably 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Um, but now with ChatGPT and and some other services that are coming out, it's coming to the forefront again. So we want to talk today about AI and pricing and humans and pricing and how we price homes and how computers can price homes and, you know. And, how, and who that. do you trust? Who do you trust? It's a good question. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, just a quick, a, a quick look, you know, nationally, um, you know, I, I kind of, as I was doing the research for this, for this, uh, this podcast, the thing that kept coming to my mind was, you know, elephant, the, the parable about the el- elephant and the blind mice, you know, because I know our market. I know the Charlottesville, Albemarle, Central Virginia market really, really well. But I'm just a, a mouse looking at like the toenail of the, of the elephant because a national market is vastly different. And I think that's where, you know, the algorithms can't really do come into play. But nationally, sales, are, you know, home sales are down 2.4% uh, March to March, huh. um, you know, which I, you know, from my, my lens is it makes sense in a lot of ways because we don't have the inventory. And this is, you know, the, the conversation the last couple of years, and especially this year, is that we've got no inventory. But it's, it's made it so that um, in, our, in our market, it's harder than ever to price houses because until you, you know, when, you, when you list a house, you don't know that demand. You know it's going to be high in our market, but you don't know the demand until it actually happens. And when you get one offer, two offers, three offers, four offers, et cetera, um, it's, you know, there's, you know, I, I mean, I hate to t- tell my clients, but I'm, I'm honest, that when they ask me what the price of a house is, I'm like, in two weeks, I'll, I'll look at the data. Because, you know, the data drives the second, third, fourth week on. The emotions drive 
in the desperation drive the first few well, days. I think, you know, I was at a meeting yesterday at our local association, and one of the one of the agents was discussing that we really needed to do a better job locally of combating the national media in, in regards to the housing market because everyone in the housing market is saying, oh, prices are off, and they're not locally. And I think that's that's obviously the case always that your local market differs in some degree from a national market, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we all trend in a similar manner, but they are specific. And so we talk about how real estate is local. But at the same time, the numbers can be deceiving in terms of what you're looking at. So in Virginia, sales are off by 24% year over year from the first quarter. But the question is, is that because there is no demand, which is what we saw during the Great Recession? Or is it because there's simply nobody willing to move? Because as we'll talk about, I know um, we've got some numbers on the number of, of homeowners that have interest rates right now that are so far below what's available that they just they view it as we can't afford to move. And right. so people are sitting on houses. So the question then becomes, what is the real meaning behind the number that you're looking at and how does that affect things? So if prices are up but sales are down, the demand is still there. And I think that's what we're seeing in some of our markets, but again, not in every market. So you know, Phoenix, Houston, um, those are not Houston, but Denver, Austin. some of the, Austin, these, these markets are off way off on demand. Um, and we're seeing, you know, dramatically different pricing from, from the Virginia markets that we're heavily invested in. Yeah. And, you know, I think going back to your analogy of the, um, of the elephant in the, in the mouse, that what, what, as, as we know a little bit about other markets, we know a lot about, you know, the markets where we operate in. Um, and really, you know, what things like the Zestimate do is make people feel like they're experts in every market. Like I can, you know, pick a market right now in the country that I've never been to. And if you told me to go on to Zillow every day and just track prices within a fairly tight geographic area, I'd probably say, like, I'm a decent expert. Not the case. Right. It's probably not the case. So it's kind of like a, 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 a kind of a... a false belief in my mind that uh, that I'm that I may be better than I am well I think I think it's a false confidence that the the buyers get uh, when they spend the time on Zillow with it and they're learning the market they're coming from another area as you're talking about and then they get here they're like oh this is a lot different than I expected and oh, they look that's at that's why that's priced that way yeah they, they walk in the house like oh this smells like smoke or this smells like cats or this yeah. is next to something bad or it's a functionally obsolescent house I mean I'd have do we, do we, Keith, do we know if the algorithm is there yet that ascertains what that value is? Is it there? Um, probably. Is it being publicly disclosed at this point? Probably not, right? I mean, I think there's so, I mean, this is the other part of AI, and we will get to that, is that so many of these these models for, for you know, whether it's for bank desk appraisals or whether it's those estimates that we'll, we'll get to, we don't know what they're based on, right? I mean, we we never we'll never understand their underlying piece. We can try and find them out. And Jonathan's done some some undercover sleuth work on his own houses to see what drives it. But I remember the last home that I sold before I got into the business. Um, I was working with my realtor, and I had actually gone down to the the city tax office and had pulled every house that had sold within a year and a half in my neighborhood and gave her a full spreadsheet because this is who I am, right? You would be um, a terrible client. Oh, I'd be, a, I was, the, I oh guarantee you, I was the worst client there was. But <laughs> my whole thing was, here's where every single house is sold against tax assessments because that was the only third party, mm-hmm. free spirited kind of number that wasn't based on 
you know, somebody telling me, oh, your one house is based on this. What What's the averages that I can find was to look at the tax estimates and figure out where people were selling. Right. I have not been asked that by a client in a long time, but what per, what percentage above or below assessed value or house is selling for? We're talking about it on estimates now. We're talking about a more readily available, more frequently changing, because tax estimates only get changed once a year or once right. every other year in the state of Virginia. Right? But so, I will say that if you go on the Zillow website, and look, I'll, I'll actually preface this right now saying, we, I, you know, we... I, I greatly respect Zillow. I think they've done an amazing, um, they've had an amazing impact in the industry in, in a lot of ways. And so this isn't a conversation um, ragging on on Zillow. No. It's just kind of like analyzing what they've done with this groundbreaking terms estimate over the last 15 years. So that being said, side note, kind of get back to it. If you go on Zillow's website, they say if you're not, you know, there's an FAQ about Zestimates. Mm-hmm. And they say, if you're if you think your estimate's wrong, you should go talk to your county tax assessor. And so clearly, that's a sign right there. It's a of piece like, of their algorithm. That is a piece Absolutely. of the algorithm. And you said earlier that we don't know what the algorithm is. We probably know ninety percent of it. Or we, we probably we know ninety percent of the components of the algorithm. We, we don't might know hundred percent of the components, but we don't know how they're weighted. Right. Right. Who, who knows? Um, and so that's the interesting part is it's probably always changing on their end. We have a pretty good feel. And that's why there's been so many other AVMs that have popped up across the country that you can go onto these real estate data websites right now. And they all offer as a service some sort of AVM. Now, how, how accurate is it? Yeah. We don't know. Right. Everybody's throwing some spaghetti against a wall to see you know, to see what works. Well, there's a great, there's a great book that Zillow published. It's probably been a decade now that's called Zillow talk. Um, that was, I think it was Stan Humphreys was their chief economist at the time who published it with, that was looking at all kinds of odd data points and how they affect it. And you know that whatever he found on each of these individual chapters were being plugged into the larger algorithm in some way, but it was, it was everything from was the street name of a presidential last name or a tree name or a body of water type name. He had he had grouped everything, but it was also how close are you to a Whole Foods? And they looked at and understood the impact of opening a Whole Foods or a Starbucks near a house yeah. that what that would do to the immediate surrounding area. And you know that became a permanent part of their of their algorithm because sure. it, it does. It it controls what people are looking for right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that you know that was the book where where they talked and said that if you used the the word unique in the description, that had a negative impact on the value, because every everybody wants to be un, a unique, delicate snowflower. Every house is unique. Period. Correct. Yes. They're not. I mean, you know, I think that they're if you have four beds, two enough baths, you know, twenty three hundred square feet, they're all kind of the same in a lot of ways. You know, so I think it's it's something that. When you're looking, when you're marketing a house and you're pricing a house, you're pricing it for the broad brush market. You're not pricing it for Keith, who's going to look at every single number known to man to figure out the value. You're looking at, you know, the person who's going to say, "Oh, okay, you know, I need four beds, two enough baths, and then you know, I need a bedroom on the main level, you know, two twenty a square foot." So you would think, though, based on Jim, what you just said, you would think that a estimate in a estimate of two houses that are identical and next to each other or say identical like 99.9 percent right. identical same floor plan same floor plan same square footage same builder same, same neighborhood same yep. builder you would think that estimate would be pretty identical right, right? so here, here's a story i've told you this too but i would talk to uh t- tell it again um I, I I have a house in uh south carolina that we bought a couple years ago we rented out but it's um it, I started paying attention to this estimate on it just out of curiosity to kind of see kind of what would impact it. And so what I did about a year after we bought it, I, I went and I took the 
photos that we had professionally taken and I uploaded them into Zillow. The only, that's the only change that I made. Right. Right. In the neighborhood where we're in, there's 22 houses. Eight of them are like almost identical to, to, to ours. And then I tracked this estimate. The only change I made is I took this nice bright, photos with you know new linens and new paint know, new paint and a little bit of new flooring and and put them up in there and track this estimate and what did i find i found that the the month after i did that the other comparable houses those ones that are the eight similar the the estimates went up by one to 1.7 percent my house went up by 3.6 percent the house that's next door that is literally identical uh, like identical, maybe with the exception of the paint color and the door color on the front door went up 1.5%. And I tracked it for a couple months and our house continued to outperform the other houses. And the only thing that changed, none of the houses sold, nothing else changed. The only thing that changed is I put photos in there. And that goes back to 2018. I was at a Zillow conference. I was invited to a Zillow broker forum and they were talking about AI and how they were using AI to look at photos of properties to see what had a wolf range, what has hardwood floors, what has this, what has that. So looking and for cats in the pictures? Might be looking for cats or animals <laughs> in the pictures, and that's probably... It sees uh, a litter box. Yeah, it sees a litter box. Ashtrays. So I, I look at that as too, as like, wait, that's, that maybe is amazing, mm -hmm. right? But it also is, you know, the question is, is like, is there a way to game the system a little bit? Well, I mean, I think you look, I mean, when you... When I go and look at a house to, to put on the market, the top two things that I tell sellers they need to do, clean and paint. It's not hard. You know, and it's fairly inexpensive and a high ROI. But if it, I, I would imagine that, that the AI can determine whether a house is clean. You know, it, can, it can see dust bunnies. It can cluttered. see cobwebs. It can see so, clutter. So the other, I mean, the third piece, if you go to the third one, is probably going to be landscaping, right? It's maintaining the exterior of your home. Right. Which does make you wonder... If you maintain a home well and you happen to have it looking perfect the day that the Zillow car or the Google car drives by and uploads, are they looking at exterior for general maintenance? Are they being, are they using it to look at the general maintenance condition of a home to say this person takes better care than that person? D did your kid cut the lawn the day before? Right. Or did they forget to cut the lawn for two weeks and all of a sudden... You got dinged by 2.2%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Timing it, is everything. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, and I think it goes back to, you know, how does the algorithm when Zillow, if a house comes on the market at X price, the Zestimate's going to be X and the, you know, Fannie, Freddie, you know, they all have their own AVMs. But how does it account for the emotion of that buyer and the desperation of that buyer who's lost six houses? Well, it can't. It can't account for that. Right. Yeah. But how does it, but you know, when that house goes up for, you know, 15% of our asking price or whatever right. that number is. Does that then impact the rest of those houses? Well, I think that if you go on a if you go on Zillow and you look at a at a listing that is that is actively for sale, you will see how many views it has mm -hmm. and how many saves it has. Right. How many people and are following it. That's yep. probably that probably is part of the Zestimate algorithm. Yeah. Right? But okay, but let's let's talk about the human side of that. When we were agents prior to electronic yes. lockboxes, good, good point. There was a sign in sheet. And when you walked in with your clients and you saw that no one had looked at the house in three and a half weeks, your willingness to offer below asking by yeah. a substantial amount we got this. went up, yeah. right? <laughs> if you went in on the third day and there were 29 people who'd seen it, you told your client, if we're going to get this, we got to go in and ask, right? 
So you know now it's just it's the information's just in a different location. Yes, now in showing, and showing time. time. Hey, and you're seeing how many people are. <laughs> well, are I've, I've got problems. an idea. I just list my house and I go to all my friends on Facebook <laughs> yes. and say, "Hey, go and like, and save it, save Absolutely. it, and like this house, and tell your friends to do it, and I'll send you a five dollar Starbucks gift card." <laughs> all right, I'm going to go, go ahead and patent that gaming, idea. Gaming the system. <laughs> yeah, we it's, just started a new company. Yeah, I'll see fantastic. you later. <laughs> No, but I mean, I, the, one of the challenges with the a, with the AI is it's evolving so fast, and it's impossible to know where it's going and 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 how it. I mean, every three days it seems like there's a new story about how AI has been implemented, you know, and how ChatGPT is now, you know, ha- hiring people on TaskRabbit to to get people to do itself. a task. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think I read one where it said that um, it the AI the ChatGPT or whatever it was. Was given a task. It, to, in order to beat the security, it hired somebody on TaskRabbit to call in and lie <laughs> to to accomplish this task for him. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the story was that they they basically gave the chatbot a set amount of money and said, "Go out and make money." And so it went and hired somebody. It tried to do a website that it was going to make money on, like an eBay type website. It was going to try and sell something. I can't remember what the site was, but it was going to try and monetize its value, and the website had a captcha and it could not answer the captcha. So it placed an ad on Fiverr or whatever to hire somebody to go out and be a human to do it. And when the human said, are you just a chat bot trying to break the system? It responded back, no, I actually have difficulty seeing things and I'm blind and therefore I need to hire people to help me. And the people helped them and then broke in for it. I mean, I'm just saying this is not gonna end well. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it is, but to Jim's point, it is changing every single day where it's going. And I think I'm now sitting here thinking, I'd love to have our, have our Zillow rep give us somebody within their, their AI group, not to tell, tell us how this is working, but for us just to throw out 50 random, do you use this? And for them to either say yes or no. Yes, that is included. But I think it's also, I think that understanding how the AI is, you know, is crawling and looking for functional obsolescence and an open floor plan, which is now is going out of fashion in a lot of ways. You know, what is it? Where does it value these things, and what should a seller do when they're prepping their house? I mean, how how far in advance should they get professional photos taken? Usually, it was like, let's get photos taken on Tuesday, and we'll list it on Thursday. And right. The question is like, all right, you're thinking about selling in twenty in March of twenty twenty four. We maybe you should put your f- new photos up in September. And give well, we've six we've been we've been advising clients for a long time that if you've got square footage in your house that's not being counted by a county to go back and come clean at least a year before your listing so that they can increase your tax assessment. Pay the higher taxes, don't worry about that because people do look at what the tax value is. We know that Zillow is looking at the tax value. So sure. the more accurate the information, the more current the information, the better it's gonna be for, for that valuation. Yeah, and now that you know Zillow is getting all these people, realtors and, and sellers are uploading the 3D tours and things like that into Zillow, now they're starting to get a peak not just with 2D inside the home, but with 3D inside the yep. home, which is giving them eventually, probably the ability to look at functional obsolescence yes. and like what's the layout is. I know there's a house in my neighborhood, and you both know this, that I was involved in the uh, with the developer of our neighborhood years ago. In the first 150 houses I looked at on floor plans with the builders before they were built, and there's a house that's, that's down the street from me that is bigger, you know, just, you know, it, it's bigger beds, baths, square footage, everything. So the Zestimate is 
drastically higher than, than my personal residence. But I know that the floor plan inside that house is so bad that if someone came <laughs> to me right now and the house is not for sale, someone came to me and said, Hey, I like that house. My first reaction less. would be like, do you want to have to walk 73 feet from your kitchen sink to go watch TV in your family room <laughs> down a hall and around a corner? And, yep. and they're probably like, no, but so that's the human right. aspect of like when a realtor is in the trenches and they've seen, you know, thousands of houses and they know the builder and they know the problems that a builder has you maybe that, a, a, you know, things that a builder does well or that a builder doesn't do well. They have that, you know, that, that, uh, that innate sense of knowing, of knowing what, yeah. what the intrinsic value is. Right. Yeah. But at what point, and I'll ask for, for projections here, you know, at what point does the AI take over? I mean, at what point, what amount of data, how many data sets or how big of a, you know, gigabits or whatever do they need or terabytes or whatever to understand that that, that house that you're talking about that is, you know, higher estimate is a trash house? I mean, it, 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 it will never understand the motivation behind the individual that is buying the house. Right. And that's, and that's where the difference comes in. But right? the commodification it's, of housing is likely to happen with AI. Uh, maybe. It's I, getting I better and better. It's sure. getting better and better. I, I, I think it almost takes, does it take a couple iterations of selling a house? So let's go back to my example. If that house comes on the market and today and where the market's pretty hot, mm -hmm. And everything else around it sells in three days, and that takes six months to sell, and sells at ninety percent of list price. Right. And the next time it comes in the market, the same thing happens. Then, twenty years from now, when that house comes in the market, you know, the estimates or the AI flags that as a something's off in this house. Like yeah, it's got sure. a little asterisk but next we, to it. A couple of things to that. Number one, we always. As, as agents, we go back and we look at past histories of homes, right? Yeah. We know that if a house sat on the market 120 days when it was when the going rate was 20 at the time, we know there was something weird about it. And we try to figure that out, whether it was the price or whether it was some other, you know, the, the parkway was being built behind the house and nobody, you know, didn't want to didn't want to own the house during the construction of right. it or something. So, you know, there are things that we're looking at. And yes, it's going to pick up on those more and more. I think it also goes to look at, you know, the old model, the old pricing piece that we used to talk a ton about was the Case Shiller index um, did not just look at median prices within areas and within MSAs. It looked at the same house point A to point B and looked at the change of of within that time. So it right. looked at specifics. And I think the case Schiller is the early precursor to what we're dealing with right now. And yes, it is going to look at, at what outlying anomalies existed on that, on that house. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I, I think the estimates are, are really interesting to, to track. I, you know, I've got some problems with it. One of the problems that I have is the fact that it reprices when a, House gets is, listed. When a home is listed. So you see these stats out there that, you know, the, a couple of that I've read is 95% of his estimates are within 10% of the final sales price. Well, that's not that impressive a stat when you know that a house was, the estimate was 500 today. It's listed tomorrow for 600, and all of a sudden the estimate changes miraculously to 598, 200. So, you know, there's some things out there that, um, you know, I'd call that cheating a little bit. Sure. Um, but you know, as, as we continue to, to kind of go down more and more this, this rabbit hole and the tech continues to, to improve and the AI continues to improve, I would, I would really anticipate that, you know, pricing becomes, um, 
you know, the, the estimates and the AVMs become even more accurate. I, th I think, again, I think the, <clears throat> the more data, the, the better the algorithms, the better it's going to be. You know, I'm looking at those estimates now for the you know, metro areas. And Atlanta is within their median errors, error is 6.49%. Baltimore, 6.74%. You know, you know, Miami, 7.3%. And this is from November of last year. You know, I, I would wager that that algorithm has not been updated sufficiently to capture, you know, the March 23 market. You know, so, but I think that also when you're looking at them, if it comes on the market at 500 and it doesn't sell in 30 days, that estimate will drop. Yeah. And so yeah. they do recognize that component to right. it. Um, you know, the interesting thing, I'm looking at the same page right now, Jim, and, mm -hmm. and looking at, you know, they've got 98.3% of homes in Atlanta are priced ready within 20% of the sales price, which is an enormous spread of 20%. Right. So the question is, with that, is the 98% because... 1.7% sold for more than 20% of asking price? Like, is that just the the irrationality of the buyer market right now in some of these areas? Or is that because the Zestimate just wasn't well thought out at all? I mean, both. Right. I mean, but I, I think, I think that to the, you know, to that point, you know, the, again, it, real estate is inherently a human based business, you know, and there, and there's no way to capture emotion of, Agents right now, you know, because there are you know, the same number of agents, that, if not more, and far fewer home sales. So there's an emotional component to, to that you need to be mindful of. Uh, but also the buyers out there who are desperate, you know, who are, who are looking for homes. And there's and part of what, you know, what we do is help pull that emotion of them back. And, re, and you know, one of my clients asked me recently, it's not AI, it's, it's human, obviously. And they said, do you have an ethical, ethical obligation to tell, to tell me if I'm overpaying for a house? Like, I don't know, look at this estimate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is, is, you know, yes, but it's also understanding that my role is not to talk them out of it, is to give them that guidance, and they're the ones making that decision. Um, but no, no algorithm as of yet can give that guidance and can give that accuracy of pricing or, the, or, the, or that future pricing model of what it's going to, you know, accurately. Right. Not for, not for housing, I don't believe, but we go to, you know, flip it a little bit to something that's a little more of a commodity and it's automobiles. And I mean, how much do we all trust the quote unquote blue book value, right? Considering it's owned by the automotive dealer association. Well, <laughs> I mean, but people trust it, right? How many, how, you've had a conversation with somebody and they've said, I got this for below blue book, right? Right. We don't have, I, I mean, I don't think that it, if someone said I got it below Zestimate, I'd be like, uh, that's a big whoop, <laughs> right? Big whoop. But, you know, if somebody says oh, you're at a party and somebody's like, I, I bought it for 5000 below Blue Book. It's like, oh, well, you know, your initial reaction is like, well, good for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, I mean it's, it's a trusted benchmark. When I'm looking at, at, at bicycles, you know, if my wife's listening. They're all under $500, I promise. But you look at the, um, you know, look at bikes and there's a bicycle Blue Book. And so when trying to ascertain what that value is, that's my first stop, at least to see if it's within the conversation. Yeah. You know, so it is, again, it, for now, I think that it's still human-based, but the, the AI is going to get there, man. I mean, and they're it, still human-based. And the last thing I'll say about the, about the Blue Book is I sold a car a couple years ago, and I was putting it into the Blue Book. And there's, there's other companies out there, you know, that are offering these values. But it's asking me what the condition is, right? right. It's asking me all these questions. So, but it gives you very specific ways of very that specific. You should, should it, what's the condition? That. Good, fair, great. Like, what's the difference between good, f good, and fair? I go with good. Everything that I have mm -hmm. is at least good or great. Um, exactly. So, I mean, so yeah. So it's still there's look. There's still ways to game to game the system. Right. 
No, I mean, I, again, I think that it's something that, you know, the, you know, when I was looking at the AVM, I mean, every single company has their own AVM. Insurance companies use, use, use them for replacement yes. costs. And, you know, if you're listening, you know, might want to check your replacement costs on your, on your house because those things have gone up significantly over the last, you know, pandemic years. Yes. Um, so just, you know, double check what your replacement cost is. But they, I mean, they're all using AVMs to a certain degree. You know, just be mindful that they're out there. I mean, that for everything that we do, it's data driven now. And the chat and the LLMs are, are going to be, you know, more data every day is going to be, um, you know, part of our continued existence. Agreed. So the, my, my recommendation to Zillow as we, as we wrap this up is just put something in there for this estimate of uh, how many cats and has someone smoked in the house. And we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens with that. So I guess, I guess the only follow-up I would have is, does Apple look for and search our text to see if we reference Apple as a podcasting listening venue or Spotify to increase <laughs> our, our ratings? In which case, Apple. we can Spotify this all day long, right? There you go. There you go. Well, cool, y'all. Um, you know, I think that the, the lesson of the day is the machines are going to take over. Uh, just be mindful of, you know, being nice to them. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to hear us and to spend time with us. Um, if you have not already, please subscribe. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts.